Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here to talk more about the Senior Bowl going on in Mobile. Joe DeLeon, Ryan Roberts, more guys have been making names for themselves. We talked about some of the key players already on this show. Keanu Benton, Carl Brooks, some other guys are starting to arise as really strong performers. Ryan, I want to roll right into this. There's one guy that you and I have been on the same page on that has looked really, really freaking good. And that specifically is Diane Henley the linebacker from Washington State. Now, we've briefly mentioned him. We've also, in passing, have had conversations about him. But I think we're starting to really see that Diane Henley is a very underrated player, very physical. But one thing that has really shown out to me, and I tweeted a clip of him in coverage, man, he can move, and he can stick with guys pretty quickly in coverage. A lot of that stuff, a lot of other really nice things have shown up during these practices here at the Senior Bowl. He is a very interesting football player. We've kind of covered him a little bit in the past, but he was a Nevada player for five years. He uses his, his six-year of eligibility to grad transfer to Washington State. And the background he has, I think he was a former safety originally during his college career, and you saw that during these one-on-one opportunities to work against running backs and just generally in the passing game. He's a really smooth athlete, but on film – that's not really the brand that he plays, right? Like he's more of a downhill, like decisive thumper in the middle on top of being a really nice athlete. So he's turned heads, I think, all week because I think people had the assumption of him being a older player that is just kind of a downhill style player. But then you see the loose hips in the passing game, the ability to defend, you know, in in man-to-man coverage a, a bit against running backs and tight ends. This kid's a really nice athlete, really good football player. I think personally, and I, I would love to have a conversation about this for anybody that disagrees, but he's been the best linebacker in attendance this, this week, in my opinion, in Mobile. And I don't think it's particularly close. Like I think he has just been the best off-ball backer that we have seen all week. No, absolutely. And the one big thing that shines for a guy like Diane Henley is the length. We had tall, long kid, very physical kid. And there were concerns for me on – his instincts at times, um, you know, him trying to find and track the football. But, like, I, I haven't seen any issues with that. In a lot of the, the periods, the one-on-one coverage drills on running backs, the team periods, he's somebody that is just constantly making plays. And that that's what it takes as a linebacker during the Senior Bowl to stand out and make a name for yourselves is if you're making plays all over the field. And, and I think that, that Diane definitely fits that description, Ryan. Well, I, I would say this too, Joe. This is not – it's, it's the same with the running back position in these All-Star Game settings. This isn't really a setting that typically highlights linebackers, right? Because mm-hmm. linebackers are judged by their ability to be consistent run fit players and to be able to work downhill and have tr- quick triggers. We've seen in the inside run and in the team drills, there's not heavy contact, right? Like you're kind of thudding dudes. You're not really t- – you're not taking them to the ground. So for some linebackers, they are limited in that evaluation. But the things that are popping is that you see the eye discipline that Diane's playing with in coverage. You see the looseness. And those things are fantastic because, again, 
that's not really where he wins, right? Like that's not his bread and butter. It's just adding to the resume of, hey, he can be a downhill thumper. He can play Mike. He can play a little bit of Will. But also, in pass coverage, he has nice upside. And we've also seen him in those pass blocking one-on-ones against running backs where he's made a couple of guys look really stupid in those situations to finish out the quarterback because he also did that really well at Washington State, being able to finish up the quarterback and get some sacks. So, I mean, there's not really a huge hole in this kid's game because he's got those 33-inch arms that you alluded to, right? Mm-hmm. He's got good athleticism. I, I There's just, just a good football player all around. It's like he's a good run run fitter. He's a strong kid. He's physical. He's not the biggest kid in the world, but he plays a physical brand, and he has the assets to affect the passing game. So I think when you all put that together, just a good football player, man. And there's just not many holes in a guy like Diane Henley. No, not a lot of not a lot of holes for a guy like that. Another player who has really displayed a lot of promise in coverage, Caillou Blue Kelly, the Stanford defensive back. He had a, a pretty exciting pick six that drew a lot of attention uh, during the second day of practice. But overall, you watch a lot of these coverage reps and you see a guy who is just making plays all over the football. We already talked about Christopher Smith and the impact that he has had early on, but I think that Caillou Blue Kelly deserves some recognition as one of the top defensive back performers this week. He's been all over the field. I feel like every time I'm watching tape on him and re-watching these practices, I'm like, who made that play? Oh, wait, it was Caillou Blue Kelly. Who was who was there in coverage and who locked this guy down? It was Caillou Blue Kelly. I really think that, that he has definitely had – I think it's safe to say one of the top – weeks him and Christopher Smith amongst all the defensive backs yeah because I don't I don't think it's a great cornerback group that's down in Mobile on either the national or American side so a guy like Blue Kelly who who came into the year with a lot of hype and then he was kind of banged up throughout the season for Stanford like I think he missed a few football games just with like some nagging stuff so you get to see him in this setting and he's clearly healthy I think he has good size for the position. He's shown really nice ability to change direction. I think he's just a really good overall athlete, right? Like, I don't know if he's elite in terms of long speed or short area quickness, but he's just very good at everything that he does. So what we thought we were, were going to see from Caillou Blue Kelly coming into the year at Stanford, unfortunately, was impacted a little bit with the injuries. You're seeing it in firsthand in Mobile against, again, not in a great cornerback group, not against the best crop of wide receivers ever, but he is definitely standing out with just having a good all-around game this week. I also want to I want to pivot a little bit talking about some of these defensive linemen. We spoke really highly of Keanu Benton, who I, I've already been asked this on a on a spot that I did on another podcast, who has had the best week overall. I, I think Keanu Benton's already established that, and it is going to be an uphill battle for anyone to surpass him right now in my eyes. Carl Brooks had a good first day, a little bit of a rough second day. I want to get to two defensive linemen that haven't really been mentioned yet. One's the, the, the Northwestern kid whose name I'm going to let you pronounce because I'm horrendous at pronunciations. But I also want to, before we get to him really quickly, I want to discuss Nested Jade Silvera from Arizona State. Now, he's not he's not as, as twitchy as I think as some of these other guys, but a really powerful kid. And there's a lot of times during these run periods where – He's blowing guys up. He is creating penetration. And he's somebody who I don't think was necessarily on a lot of people's radars as a, as a good defensive tackle or as a, as a highly draftable defensive tackle. I still don't think he really fits that, that day two range anywhere, but he could be a nice rotational piece that you put out there on rush, uh, rushing downs the way that he has caused problems for some of these interior linemen. 
He is a really bizarre player because he actually he started his career at Miami and he was, yes. he was a sound player at Miami. Like he was a contributor, he was a starter. And Arizona State, I feel like he had some impact in his lone year there out in Tempe, but he's a young man that is not flashy, right? Like he doesn't have the great length. He's not an incredible athlete. He's a little bit of a wrecking ball inside, you know? Like he's a guy that is kind of organized chaos or bull in the china shop like however you want to quantify him he's a guy that is a hard hard handle for some interior offensive linemen in one-on-one situations i think we've seen that this week that it doesn't always look pretty but he's able to create some chaos right so he's a player that maybe not a lot of people know probably more of a late round type of player at this point but a guy that in a scheme that is going to ask him to be a two-down player and to just kind of cause havoc where he can, he is an interesting player in, in Nesta J. Silvera. So interesting background, interesting just you know career that he's had from Miami to Arizona State his final year. But he just is that kind of – he's a little bit of a – he's a pain in the ass. You know, yeah. like that's what he is. Like he's not – again, he's not going to ever – lead a team and tackle for loss, have credible sack production, but he's just going to be kind of like annoying, right? He's going to be an annoying yeah. interior defense lineman, and that's what you need at points. Absolutely. Uh, the Northwestern kid that I'm going to let you pronounce his name. Ad- Ade Obaware. Ade Obaware. That is the yes. very, very professional approach to getting his name right. Uh, Ade Obaware, yes. though, we were talking about him earlier this morning before we, we, we taped, and I had mentioned – he caught my attention on day one and then seeing him continue to be unblockable on day two is really promising. You pointed out that physically he is a very odd kid and he's making a transition from edge to the interior, but he's got a lot of length. He's a little short. The flashiness, the quickness is starting to show. And I think that that transition to the interior is really going to benefit him as we're starting to see pretty quickly here in mobile. This is one of the most unique players that we have in the 2023 NFL draft. It's also one of the most odd evaluations to a degree. Cause like you said, Joe, I mean, he was playing, I'm pretty sure the spring measurement on him was like 260 something pounds. Like he was playing edge, you know, yeah. and then he shows up this week, six, one and five eighths. So he's a shorter player, 284 pounds, but he's got 34 inch arms. I mean, think about this for a second. He is a hair under six foot two, not a hair. He's a little bit under six foot two and he has a six ten wingspan. It's weird, right? Like it's a weird body yeah. type. It's it's not proportional at all, and you know that he's not going to play edge just because he's a little bit tightly wound, right? Like he's not a guy that's incredibly flexible. He's not a guy that has that height profile that you want on the edge. Mm-hmm. But he has reach, obviously, and he's been just a difficult task for interior defensive line, offensive lineman. I think the thing that popped most of him day one and then day two as well is that when you did the inside run drill, when you did the one-on-one run blocking between offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you can't move Adeboire. Like, you just can't move him. You know, he's he's like a – I forget what Corey Kinnon called him, but like a brick shit house. Like, he's, he's a stump, man. Like, he just doesn't move, right? Like, you can't move him off his spot. And then he's able also when he's got such a firm – you know, he's got his cleats in the ground. He's just a, a – just a horrible opportunity to try to move. He also has the length to gain extension in the run game as well. So you're like, okay, cool. Could be a run defender. That's awesome at the next level. There, there's a role for that, right? A guy that could play three tech, could put, maybe play a little four, four I, five. Like you can do a little bit of everything as far as being a run defender. 
But then I think day two, you saw pass rush pr- profile is a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be, man. Like he was making some guys look silly in one-on-one pass rush reps. And it wasn't like a slow win. Like he's winning off of initial quickness, initial interior, uh, initial inside counters. Adaboire really put forth a great day two to show a little bit of pass rush upside on top of the fact that he's a really good run defender. And the other thing too with Adaware, he's coming from Northwestern, so it's it's a little deceptive seeing him play as well as he did. You you almost yeah. you almost write off a guy coming from a program like that, and you're just thinking like, ah, oh, he's from Northwestern. I'm sure he just had a couple of good reps, but the consistency across the past couple of days has been really exciting. Again, that profile, that physical profile, is possibly going to benefit him because of that uniqueness. Um, but he's shown some really good stuff. Two interior linemen that uh, yeah. I want to get to here before we wrap that I thought have, have improved their stock. We already talked about Matt Bergeron. We talked about John Michael Schmitz. I think Cody Mock from North Dakota State had a much better day two than much he better. had on day one. But I want to acknowledge two guys who have been really consistent who I think have similar physical profiles. Steve Avila from TCU, stout, strong kid. And then Osiris Torrance, same thing, wide as, as a wall. He is immovable. <laughs> But uh, more importantly, though, I think Steve Avila has opened an, uh, my, my eyes, certainly, because of how strong he's been, how tough his base has been, and then how clean his footwork, surprisingly, has been. I had thought that coming into this, that Avila had some footwork issues, that he was a little bit inconsistent. But in these drills, he looked good at center. He looked good at guard. I think that that Steve Avila has, has done a lot for his stock and answered some of the questions that I definitely had of him coming into this week. Yeah, and I, I don't think he's ever going to be a perfect pass protector because I do think that he has – it's not bad feet. It's just a little heavy, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's a heavier player, not right? He's not He's not going to move – yeah, he doesn't. he's not going to have the same quickness as some smaller interior offensive lineman. But what you saw yesterday especially is that when he gets his hips aligned and he gets in proper positioning, he's a brick wall as a, as a pass protector, right? Like he can fit inside – and he can stall momentum early on in reps, and he has enough length at that position where he once he gains inside leverage, he's really a, a tough t- tough guy to figure out because he I mean he weighed in at six foot three and an eighth, three hundred thirty two pounds. So that's a dense kid, right? But he also had thirty two and five inch inch, inch arms and a seventy nine inch wingspan. So he's not the he's got some length to him, man. Like he's not the longest guy in, of all time, but like he's not a guy that is it's just this. T-Rex of an interior offensive lineman. So once he's able to fit inside, he's a hard dude to counteract with because he is one of the strongest players in the Mm. 2023 NFL draft, in my opinion. When he gets inside, reps are over. And I think you saw that on day two, that when he fits inside properly, gets his body aligned, he is a tough guy for interior defensive linemen to try to get around because he's just such a densely packed dude. I think that's going to be it for our day two update, Ryan. We're going to be doing, after the Thursday practices, a full breakdown. That one's probably going to be a longer one. We're going to go very in-depth, I'm anticipating, because we're going to talk not only guys who are catching our attention, but some guys maybe that struggled during the week, some guys that we have questions that are now going unanswered or new questions propping up. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any of that. At Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. That'll be it from us.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.